lot of people want to get into education and like how to appeal to that. So yes, it's exactly that. Just making it obvious that I am educating other stylists, sharing formulas, you know, sharing placement diagrams, things like that, tips, tricks, stuff that will appeal to stylists. Welcome back to the Beauty Inspires Beauty Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Bergio, and today I am very honored to have a special guest. Her name is Carly Zanoni. Thank you, Carly, for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Of course, I was just rambling to her like a little fan about how much I've been watching her journey over the last several years, and we happen to be neighbors, and we both live in San Diego, so uh, I was just telling her how hard it is for me to narrow down the conversations I want to have with these stylists because we've been in the game for so long. There's like so much we could talk about, so much we could geek out about. Um, but what I really admire most about what you're doing is you're really showing up big for our industry. You're not just, and I always hate to use this term, like a typical hairdresser where you just come and do clients and you get by. And there is absolutely nothing wrong if that's how you run your business and that is what works for you. But for those that are standing out like Carly and creating real impact in our industry, um, real education and real just change. I'm honored to have you here today. I'm honored to like kind of know people like you because it really makes people like me step my game up. So welcome. And I would love for you thank to you. tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Totally. Well, thank you for that very kind introduction. That was awesome. Um, yeah. So my name's Carly. I have been doing hair now for a little bit over 13 years. I have worked my entire, the whole career has taken place in San Diego. Um, I, I am from Northern California originally. I recently started branching out into doing kind of education and kind of exploring that option a little bit further, which I love, but I still do work behind the chair. I see clients now three to four days a week. And um, so, yeah, I'm doing a little bit of both, a little bit of educating and then still trying to stay relevant with doing clients. So I can't complain. It's, it's all good. That sounds like a perfect mix. And would you say your pull for starting the education came from somewhere? Was there something that you felt there was a lack of, or did you just feel like, hey, I kind of am really good at some of these things, and people keep asking me questions on my Instagram, so I might as well create something? Did you just give the people what they want, or how did this, how did this, how was this born? So, yeah, sort of. So, I had a friend that I went to hair school with, actually, and she was like, oh, when are you going to come teach a class at my salon? And, I, and this was a couple of years ago. And I'm like, I've never taught a class. So I mean, sure, but I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, oh, just don't tell the stylist, but like, just come teach a class. Let's just see how it goes. So I'm like, okay. So no clue what I was doing. Went to her salon um, in LA. She's one of my really good friends. I've known her for so long. And I just basically taught a class, which was, had no like outline. I just basically went and talked as I was going through the process of doing a color, how I would normally do it. Um, and I kind of realized through that, like, oh, okay, I like doing this. And this is like rewarding in a different way than doing clients is. So basically um, from there, I kind of started branching out into it a little bit more. The previous salon that I worked at, um, she said the same thing. She's like, was you want to teach a class to the other stylists? And from there, it kind of just grew. And then the next time she's like, let's try and sell tickets and see how it goes. And um, yeah, so it kind of just organically grew. I wasn't really like, oh, I'm going to be an educator. Like now I want to start this journey. It just kind of organically happened. And once I was in that and doing more classes, I kind of realized like, okay, I really like this. And the feedback I was getting was pretty good. So 
kind of just kept going with it and it just, it just happened. That's incredible. And have, I just love people like that, that they saw something in you that they knew if they just pushed you a little bit, that you would do it and you would do it well. And it, I just love friends like that. And I'm sure you thank them all the time for pushing you and getting you started. Totally. I tell her all the time. I'm like, you're the reason that I even have any, like, you know, this is part of my career whatsoever. And it is funny. Cause she really, I was at first, I was just like, no, I'm not, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I can't be a teacher of a class. And she's like, just try it. Like they're not expecting, you know, it's no big expectations. Like, let's just do it. And yeah. So I am so thankful that multiple people, right. Have like pushed me and kind of made me to, um, you know, made me into like an educator now, which is awesome. So I love, I'm thankful for them. Yes. Oh my gosh. The journey is everything. Um, it's always, you just gotta take those first couple of steps and it's like, you didn't really know what you were doing. This is a perfect, I always like to remind people and give them permission to try things that they don't know how it's going to be. It's not about if I make that decision, that's the end all be all, you know, people right. are doing several different things and they're like, wow, you're doing so many things. And I'm like, well, I, I want to try things on. I'm not afraid to a fail. And I'm not afraid to like show up and kind of make a fool of myself. Like if it works out cool, if it feels good, like if you enjoyed the teaching, if you didn't like it that day and you were like, that was terrible. I didn't like it. You, you wouldn't have done it again. Totally. Same with exactly. Like this is like one of those kind of perfect examples that, you know, I talk enough for 10 people that everyone's like, you could have a podcast. And I'm like, well, I can talk about everything. What do you want me to talk about? Yeah. Hair stuff. And I was like, well, I'm talking about that for 20 years. And I'm like, well, if somebody wants Makes to, sense. and then I was like, how can I make it fun for me? And it was like getting to talk to other hairdressers. I was like, oh, game on. I'm in. Yeah, totally. Exactly. I, I feel like that's how a lot of the best things start, right? Just like an organic growth into something and it just becomes more and it's a good fit. Totally. Totally. So how long have you been doing hair for? So thir- I graduated 13 years ago from school. Um, and yeah, I've worked in San Diego, like literally I've worked in like a three block radius my entire career, which has been very helpful, you know, for clients and stuff like that. But um, I just recently moved to a suite, a, stu- a salon suite, um, which is a totally new thing for me. And I'm about 10 miles from where I used to be. So I've stayed in a close like range for the whole time, which has been helpful, I think. I think so too. Will you walk us through your journey from, you know, deciding on what school you wanted to go to? And then, you know, if you did an apprenticeship or assisting program or like how you worked your way from school to where you are now, because I think a lot of people are in that journey of either thinking they want to go into an independent space or a smaller studio space, or even just a smaller salon. Um, Cause it was opposite for me back in the day. It was like, go to the big fancy salons and that served its purpose in my life. And they still have a huge purpose. I think for people coming out of school and like yeah. building and all the things, but um, yeah, I always like to share the journey because people see where you are now and think, Oh, she just got lucky or, Oh, something she did is something I'll never be able to do. So break it down. So, you know, people can understand that they can do what you've done too. Totally. Um, yeah. So I decided to go to hair school. My story is kind of funny. Honestly, I, was never, I mean, I liked hair as much as the next person, but I wasn't like, Oh, from age three, I knew I was going to do hair. It was like, I like it. I mean, that seems like an option, but I went to SDSU for a year right after high school. Cause I was like, I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. Um, you know, I'll go to get a business degree and then I might go to hair school, whatever. So went to SDSU, lived in the dorms. I mean, had the absolute time of my life. It was great. Um, but I kind of was like, I don't think this is it for me. I mean, I was decent at school, but I've never like 
loved school so much. So um, I decided to enroll in Paul Mitchell, the school, which is downtown San Diego. So didn't have to move. Um, I just felt like this could be something that I could be, I think I'm good at. But honestly, the biggest draws to me at that time when I was 19 were I don't have to get up early to be a hairstylist. I knew that like most appointments started at 10 a.m. And um, I can make my own schedule. Like, you know, as, as a 19 year old, I'm just seeing like, I'm, I'm making all this money, like making my own schedule, sleeping in. Now the irony is like, I can't sleep in past 6 a.m. So, you know, whatever. But um, so, so went into hair school, kind of like low expectations, just like, I think I'll like this. It seems like a good fit for now. You know, we'll see. Um, totally loved it. I was like one of those people that like loved beauty school. I just like never, yeah, I never um, you know, tried to give away my clients to people. Like I loved it. Um, Paul Mitchell was awesome. And then graduated, you know, in a year, year and a couple months or whatever it was. And then I worked at a salon. The first six months of my career, I was at like a commission salon. Um, I, but I was actually making hourly because I had literally no clients. So I was basically making minimum wage going and sitting there five days a week from, you know, 10 to five, whatever it was. And, this was way before like social media, like Instagram was a thing. So, I mean, he, he didn't, the owner didn't help much with building me a clientele and I didn't really know what to do. So I was kind of just sitting there like, okay, I'm bored. I'm not sure what to do. I was kind of gaining some new skills, but wasn't really sure. So, you know, I'm, I was 20, just kind of arrogant. I'm like, I'm going to, I don't want to do this. I want to be my own boss. I'm going to booth rent. Like I don't need to work for anybody. So I had three clients probably literally like I joke about it because it was so stupid um I had three clients I went to a salon down the street booth rented I mean thank god I was living with my mom I had no expenses really because I was making absolutely no money I was probably losing money at that point but I was like you know what I'm my own boss this is what I wanted I'm sleeping in like I don't have to get up early and um it was, it was a slow growth of a, of like a clientele and process. And I always talk about this and, um, you know, I've posted about this on Instagram before my first year doing hair, I made $12,000. Like it was not a lot. And even that I was like really struggling to make that. So it was a journey for sure. Um, and then slowly over time, I kind of gained some more clients and, you know, improved at doing hair. I never assisted. It was a, it's a big regret of mine. And now, you know, I have figured it out, but I didn't assist. Um, I've basically been a booth renter since six months into my career. And again, not that I would recommend that necessarily, but it is what it is. And um, yeah, so slowly over time, I kind of started, uh, getting more clients, finding my salon, um, home, you know, I've, I've been at, this is my fifth location in 13 years. So not, not switching around a ton. Um, and then just a couple months ago, amidst like COVID and all that stuff, um, I decided that I think I thought a suite would be a better option for me. So, um, I, just kind of, you know, it was sad leaving my salon home. I love everybody that works there. The owner was great. Um, it, it was a bummer, but I figured for what I'm doing now and for education and needing a space to film, um, you know, content, stuff like that, it was a better option for me. So now I'm in a salon suite. I love it. It's definitely an adjustment. Um, the social vibe is a little bit different, but it's been great. I mean, so far, no complaints whatsoever. 
And yeah, so I'm loving it. That's amazing. And I'm sure your clients are loving it too, because they get your full on attention. And we know yeah. clients just love that. And yeah, because there's nobody around you. And but I do, I do as as the stylist who went from a big salon to a really small space, I the energy change is tough. And yeah. it's tough when you don't have anybody else where you can like geek out over the cool work they're doing and go over and like kind of pick their brain or have a moment of like, you know, maybe I don't do hair like that, but it's fun to watch somebody else do it, right? Totally. I a lot of cool people that did like, you know, really fun colors and, you know, really like crazy haircuts. And I was like, yeah, that just wasn't my clientele, but I always appreciated my clients even loved that energy that was around it too. So mm. um, how, how other than you kind of having to adjust, would you say for, cause I've had a lot of people reach out to me about when is the right time to move into a smaller space like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have my answers, but what would you say to someone who is thinking that now is the time to maybe branch out on their own, or maybe they're looking to, I mean, I know you don't own your own where you have other people working for you right now, but w- when would be the right time? Yeah. I mean, I think it would vary, you know, there's a lot of factors and variables to take into consideration. I think something to consider definitely is, especially if you're going from like commission to say being on your own, or you're used to being an employee of somebody and then you go out on your own or make a switch like that. I think most importantly would be to really consider the finances. It's a bit deceptive. And there is this like, you know, big, um, like, like, like halo over owning your own business, which it's amazing, of course. And there are a lot of benefits to being a booth renter or being in a suite and you are your own boss and whatever. But with that comes also a lot more responsibility that possibly you may not be used to if you're used to being an employee. Um, I think first and foremost, yeah, would be just consider the finances so that, you know, it already can be stressful, change that a big change like that, telling clients everything. And then if you have added financial stress, like you didn't realize, oh my God, this is so expensive or, oh wow, now I have to pay for this or whatever the case may be. um, That can just be a lot of added stress that is not necessary. So maybe that's something I wish I had done a little bit more is, you know, do your research on, um, on kind of the, the financial side of it. But as far as just like a feeling of wanting to make a change, I mean, I don't know. I would say for me, like specifically, one of the biggest things was the, um, was the ability to like have a space to create content. But there's also a lot of people that love that, um, just that feeling of like their own specific space, especially like a suite, for instance, can be a great option where you don't have to invest in like building out an entire salon, but you can really design the salon that you like the salon space that you want for your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I feel I feel like, you know, there's also a lot of people I think that actually love coming in and being by themselves and not having like the hustle and bustle of a crazy big salon, which I get that too. So I don't know, I, I feel like definitely consider the financials and the actual like specs of it. But then also, you know, sometimes it's just like you need a change and you've done something for so long and I always say like, it is a big change and it's, you know, it's a big undertaking, but worst case, like if you want to try it, do it. And there's always a way to go, like go back or do another, do go back to what you were doing previously, maybe in a different capacity. So I don't know. I'm all about just give it, give it a shot. Like what's the worst, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, Yeah. What's the worst that can happen is you don't do your financials and you get in over your head and you are just upside down versus that. I think And I think knowing now as a salon owner myself, working for other big salons and seeing 
the pull between people who work commission, booth rent, even the owners, like what is actually getting to be t- taken home and right. you know, what the perks are, or if you want to be an employee type and just come to work, not have any responsibility, get to do your clients and leave versus like something like you just described. And it's a whole beast in itself. And same with opening the salon. Right. I did all of my PL sheets as much as I could, but there were still always added things that you're not prepared for. And so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's not for the faint of heart. And that's, that's how I kind of wanted to start the podcast too, was, you know, I, I heard the term accidental entrepreneur used and I was like, oh my God, that's all of us. Like most people don't go to school and say, I want to own my own business. They might say, I want to run my own client business behind the chair, but they're not thinking like I have to run it like a business. And so I've seen so many hairdressers make really good money, myself included over the years and have nothing to show for it because you're not quite sure. You didn't go to business school first. So you don't know what to do with your money. You don't know how to save or budget or plan for the taxes. It's like one day you could make a thousand dollars behind the chair and the next day or the next week you're down to, you know, 500 for the whole week. And it's like, how do you plan for all of that? Um, So those are great tips and definitely staying on top of your financials is something I wish somebody would have like cracked the whip on me early on. Cause that wasn't ever talked about. Oh no, I, I totally agree. And that's something that I've literally only the last couple years of my career have started actually like looking into and taking more time to think about, because like you said, nobody talked about that in hair school. It was like, get, you know, how to do a highlight, whatever, like the technical stuff. That's great. But like you said, accidental entrepreneur is such a perfect term because you really do have to be a entrepreneur to like have a successful business. And I joke, like I was that person, like at tax time, I had my receipts in a box, like no clue what I was doing. I was just flying by the seat of my pants. And then finally, like when stuff, you know, then it's like, oh, you want to apply for a car loan or you want to like get approved to rent a place. Then it's like, oh shoot. Well, I need to figure out how much money do I actually make? Like, I have no idea. So I'm the proud owner of a QuickBooks account starting last year after 12 years of doing hair, but it's so important because it it really will make or break. You know, I think so much like your burnout based on how much money you're making, or if you are profitable, like I didn't even know if I was actually making any profit. And like you said, it can be so up and down. Like some days you're, some weeks you're making a ton, some weeks you're making nothing. So all that stuff is just, it's hard, but once you kind of get a like rain on it, it makes such a difference. Well, there's nothing more stressful than financial stress. And there's nothing more rewarding than financial freedom and knowing. Yes. And I, for years was queen of like, Oh, I don't know that. I don't do that stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not tech savvy. I'm not this, I'm not that. And I loved hiding behind those. I don't do this or I don't do that. And it served me for as long as it did until one year I owed like 10 grand in taxes. I had had a phenomenal year. Good for me to owe, you know, I'm sorry, it was an extra 10 grand than what I'd already paid. So (laughs) I had a really good year and my my tax girl is my friend from high school she's brilliant like and she's like when are you going to start like paying attention to your quarterlies like when are we going to plan for this or aren't doesn't this not feel good <laughs> like as my friend she's like you got to stop so I hired her to do my she has a QuickBooks I'm like I just don't want to I can't I can't I don't want to and so this is one of those things that I always encourage like my mentees to hire out is hire out the things that you're not good at you don't have totally. to be an expert in everything. You stay the expert behind the chair, you make the money, and then you let someone else figure out where to put it and what to do with it. Because, you know, what quarantine I said showed us is that we need to have options and we need to know how much do you really need to be working? 
how many clients do you really need to be seeing? Like if it's a matter of preventing burnout or if it's a matter of like your peace of mind, like do, can I work 10 to five and be okay? Or do I have to work eight to eight? Do I have to double book? Like, what do you really have to do in order to make the money that you want to make? So we do like a whole reverse engineering on what your income goals are and all that kind of stuff. And man, I, I just loved avoiding that stuff for years, but now I feel so empowered. Like I help other people do their numbers. And I'm like, I was the girl who barely could get through math class in high school. Yeah. Same. But now I'm like, bitch, I'll show you those numbers. I'm like, because yeah. it empowers you to either raise your prices or mm-hmm. to not work as much or to buy the car that you've said you want, but you think you can't afford. Like that's, it's so, empower- it's so powerful. And it's also really powerful to know when we can retire because how much money can you set sock away? Do you have anything totally. like that in place? So that's like what I've become uber passionate about. And I like look at myself sometimes and I'm like, who are you? Like, you're almost 40. That's why you're paying attention to this shit. I know. Eventually everybody figure. everybody's like, oh shoot, I need to worry about this now. But sometimes it takes time. So I know it is, it is very empowering though. Once you, once you figure it out. Absolutely. So, I mean, if anybody's listening, like, and you guys have questions and want help figuring things out, you can always just message me. But when you put yourself in a position like Carly has to bring in multiple streams of revenue, I think that's when true entrepreneurship is born. So I, I commend you for that because it's not easy, but that's the goal. Like all the books I've read talk about multiple streams of revenue. Like, how do you do that? So you have your behind the chair business and then you now have your other business, which is your education. So can you tell us a little bit about how you developed this and the private account that you have and how people can figure out all totally. the things? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So a couple of years ago, I started doing like in-person classes, which um, awesome. I love in-person education. I think there's something really special about connecting with somebody like in person. Um, so I've always had this idea though of like for, yeah, multiple income streams is definitely ideal, but also just something online because it is just a much bigger reach really. And I've gone through so many thoughts in my head, like, do I want to own a salon? And do I want to, you know, what do I want to do? That's the bigger thing outside of taking clients behind the chair. Um, And after discussing like with my husband and friends and stuff, it's like my passion really lies in, yes, I love taking clients, but also in helping other people and empowering them kind of similar to you and, and getting them to like be learning that they're being their best selves kind of, and bringing out the best in their skills or whatever it may be. So, um, so I was doing a ton actually this year I had like 10, travel classes planned for different states and they were all scheduled and you know multiple stuff selling tickets and whatnot and then COVID happened and I was like well that plan has gone to complete shit after like planning this out for months and you know and that was going to be a, a decent portion of my income so I'm like okay how can I transition this and my assistant and I had talked forever about um, an online, like private, you know, education, Instagram, basically just an Instagram account, super easy to access. There's tutorials that are like easy to watch, easy to see, um, easy to understand and affordable. And it was always one of those things of like, okay, I have all these ideas and I'm trying to get it together, but like, I could never make the time to actually like do it and put it together. So finally, when we were on quarantine and had to close the salon, I was like, okay, well, now's my, now's my chance. Like I have this time, I need to be productive with it. And, um, just started compiling, you know, 
like content that my assistant had taken, um, videos that I had made on like business topics, more kind of like talking videos, conversational things like that. Um, And I just put together this education account basically. And it's called the Blonde Chronicles University. And um, it's $15 a month and there's new content added every week. So Right now there's about 45 tutorials up there and they range, they're like 15 to 45 minutes. I have a bunch of Instagram live classes, which are more like one, two hour things. Um, And then I'm just very accessible in my DMs for like specific questions there, which I try and get back to everyone regardless. But, you know, on this account, I'm much more in depth with my responses and um, much more accessible just because it's kind of hard to get to everybody on my other accounts. So um, yeah, so it's fifteen dollars a month, and it's I'm trying to you know now we it's grown a little bit. There's like about thirteen hundred members, and um, basically you know I've started working with a videographer to get my videos to be like more professional. Now I'm like you know I have to deliver a little bit more, which is great. I'm always trying to like level up and and get better. And then um, and then something else I've started doing is or I'm going to start doing. I have the first one in like a month is guest artists um, to teach like a class for the members of the education program. So a lot of fun things happening and it's been so much more fulfilling than I even honestly imagined. Um, It was kind of like, oh, I love, this is a great way to reach people since I can't do in-person classes. And now I'm like, this is like, I just, I love this and I want to spend all my time doing it. I mean, I still love doing my clients and seeing them, of course, but it's just fulfilling in a different way. So yeah, so that's kind of it in a long-winded nutshell, but um, honestly, have not heard of anybody doing that. There's a couple, there's a few people and I don't even know where I got the idea for like the, cause, cause some people have, you know, um, websites where it's like their, their library of videos and stuff, which I think is awesome too. But for me, I felt like, okay, what would I access the most and actually use the most? I mean, I'm always on my phone, always on Instagram. So for me, it was like, if I could just scroll through a bunch of videos, not have to like log onto this separate platform that to me would be the most usable. And so I kind of thought about how could I make that work? It's still, there's still some technical glitches that Instagram isn't really set up for like this kind of subscription-based thing, but I've, I've made it work. You know, the technicalities have been a little bit stressful at times, but for the most part, it's, it's been good. And I'm constantly just learning and, and evolving. So. That's amazing. So I'm going to get into the nitty gritty and ask you questions because yeah. I have people in the past ask me to help them grow like a YouTube channel or their IGTV or some people even thinking Patreon is the way to go to have some sort of subscription base Um, Mm -hmm. or what, what do they need so they can grow something similar? And, you know, I'm no expert. I don't have any of those. What I can help walk you through is where are your ideal clients? So if you have over 185,000 people following you on Instagram, which Carly does her main niche of people are probably other hairdressers watching her work, right? So you look yeah. at what you have, and they're asking you specific questions on formulas and placement and photos and like what you're charging, how you got where you are. So she took what was a needed thing and created a business out of it. Like that's from all the things I've learned in, in the masterminds I've been in and the business coaching is like, there's a problem yo, you'll solve it. <laughs> like, and you, yeah. and you, and you didn't go try to push them onto another platform. And I see so many people think that they need to do 
the Patreons or the other things because that's all you know. I don't know that anybody even knew that they could do something like that. So now that you're like changing the world, um, how could, how, how do you transition people from following you on that page? Is it just something you talk about and promote on your, on your normal page and then kind of push them over to subscribing to that? Basically. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I just made a video about this actually this morning and it was like your target market. And I kind of talked about, okay, a lot of people are using Instagram for their clients as their target market, but a lot of people want to get into education and like how to appeal to that. So yes, it's exactly that. Just, um, basically making it obvious that I am educating other stylists, sharing formulas, you know, sharing, um, placement diagrams, things like that, tips, tricks, stuff that will appeal to stylists. Cause like, again, I'm not really at the point now where I'm trying to attract new clients, um, because my focus has kind of shifted a bit. So just making it very clear who would get a lot out of these captions and what, who would learn from this and it's hairstylist. So yeah, it basically comes from that. I mean, I do promote um, my education page and in every post I'm like, I have more tips and more in-depth stuff. So it's kind of, I heard a podcast a, a while ago. I can't remember even whose podcast it was or where I heard it, but it was like, make the free stuff so good that they can't even imagine how good the paid for stuff would be, you know? So it's like, yes, I do like a little bit of teasing with formulas and um, placement diagrams. And I've always kind of offered that kind of stuff because I just think it's really helpful. I know that has helped me a ton in learning. And then, you know, I kind of say there's a lot more where this came from and I go much more in depth with it on my um, education page. So that's, that's what's worked for me, but exactly like you said, just getting the followers I have now and kind of even making in, even informing them that I have this, just talking about it and kind of get some curiosity going and then they learn more about it and hopefully sign up. That's brilliant. I mean, what a way to, I mean, you're, it's genius because I, I see that happening for so many people wanting to branch out to do other things, but they're scared. They're scared to show up on social media. They're scared to like talk about what they have to offer. And I mean, I, same thing happened for me. It was like, man, how many times have, can I just say it once and then they'll come? And it's like, no, you have to be so unapologetic about what you have to offer and what you're doing that you are consistently showing up talking about it. Cause if you think about Instagram, and how many people people follow it's like people don't see your stuff every day and if it's the same people like you have to keep talking about it and one of the best pieces of advice that somebody gave me when you know I started to use Instagram for marketing for business was you know you'd say things like well I don't want to annoy everybody and I don't want to sound salesy or I don't want to like talk about the same thing all the time and it's like if 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 you are annoying those people and you are now using your Instagram or your social media as a platform to market your business those are not your ideal clients. So if your friends are annoyed or your family's annoyed, they're not your ideal client. You have to just be okay with either them not following you anymore, or you, you need to know who you're speaking to when you show up on social media, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, yes, that's one of the biggest things. I totally agree with you. It's like, if they, people are following you to see your content and if they get annoyed with it and how much you post, then like you said, that's not your ideal target market. And I always say that like, Cause I've had people say the same thing. Like I want to be an educator, but I don't think anybody like will care what I have to say on my, on my page or whatever. And I'm like, they might not now, but you'll attract those people that do care. And you just keep, keep working towards ask your, ask yourself every time you post something like, is this attracting my ideal target market? And just go back to that with every post. And I think you can't lose, you know, eventually 
you will start to gain traction and get the right kind of followers or audience that does want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Because I was just pulling up your page right here to look at, like, that's what, if you see me looking over here is like (laughs) all of the beautiful freaking, um, pictures that you have on your page. I'm just like, okay, so do you just have like epic lighting in your salon or do you just get really good at taking photographs? Because I know a lot of hairdressers struggle to get like the perfect picture and like all of that. I'm sure on your education page, you probably talk about this. <laughs> um, you know, that is a that is a popular topic and I'm working on a video on that, but I have gotten really lucky with lighting in most of the salons I've been with, especially the last, the last one um, where I really started to get into like taking photos of my um, clients and stuff had awesome lighting and then the the place I'm in now I am so freaking fortunate it has a huge window which a lot of suites don't have any windows and I have one with like direct sunlight and um it's been awesome I mean I use I wish I had like a better photo tips but I always utilize the natural light I have an iPhone 11 which I'm gonna be honest it's not my favorite I liked like the iPhone 8 was like my favorite one I miss that thing so much but I will say that a lot of stuff with with taking photos and getting good photos is just just taking enough where you at least will have like one or two like I take probably 50 photos and some of them suck so bad and I'm like oh I never can use this and then some are like decent and then there's some that are there's probably like literally one to three where I'm like oh this is a great photo so it's seriously just like a numbers game take enough where one of them can be good but I have lucked out with the great with great lighting which I've been so fortunate that's amazing. I'm just obsessing with these one shot pictures. So I know behind the chair does so much amazing work for our community and for our industry. Can you share how you decided to participate in that? I know a lot of people get nervous to submit pictures. Can you walk someone through the process of like being a part of that? Yeah, totally. So, um, you know, for me, it was like one of those things that I kind of watched and I had those same fears like, oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to enter like, this is embarrassing. Like, what if I, I'm not going to get nominated. Like this sucks. And I think I probably entered like two or three years and did not get nominated or anything like that. Um, last year I did get a nomination and it was more just kind of like, I mean, why not? Like, what do I have to lose? You know, it could lead to something more amazing and awesome. And, um, oh my God. Yeah. She's, she's one of my faves. Little babe. I know. I love her. Um, she's, she's just one of my fave clients. I love her. She, she can make any hairstyle, any outfit, anything look good. Um, but yeah, so I think it was just finally, I'm like, okay, what have I, what have I got to lose really? I mean, cause you always, also the other thing is like, nobody, nobody's paying that much attention to what you're doing except for you. Like nobody even probably noticed that I entered this competition. I'm like over here stressing, like, oh my God, these people are going to know that I didn't get nominated. Like I didn't win. And then it's like, actually people are way too concerned with what they're doing on their own page, which, you know, is great for a situation like this. So I just kind of was like, what, what am I, why am I so nervous? Like, what am I waiting for? And stuff like that. I feel like it's just, once you take that leap, it can, it can lead to so many bigger opportunities. So it's such a small thing that can lead to a lot. So finally, I just got the confidence. I'm like, yeah, F this, I'm doing it. And I probably entered quite a few photos, my gosh. And I did get one nomination, which was awesome, but it's again, like a numbers game, just have so many awesome photos and so many entries. That's like, one of them is going to go somewhere. 
So, and that's another example of like just taking action, even when you don't feel ready or you don't think you're not quite sure what will come of it. It's like, you just got to put yourself out there sometimes to see what's possible. And that's, you know, why I try to stay around women like you who are just doing that because then it pushes me to like level up. And I know you and I both are, you know, strongly in that place in our life where we want to encourage other people and have a bigger impact, which I know when you have a bigger impact, you just are able to create more income. And, and when the, the income comes when you're making an impact. And so that's why totally. if it's not organic, if it's not natural for you to, to, you know, do this kind of stuff, that's okay too. It's just maybe not your thing, but like if it's in you and there's a little part of you that's like resonating with Carly's story, um, you guys have seen what I like, these are, you know, you ask people like us and how did you do it? Or, you know, give some encouraging words, but all, all you really need to know is just start showing up, just start trying. Um, but it's just like, I relate everything to fitness. Like you were saying about people caring more about themselves. It's like same with the gym. When I would bring a new client, they would be so nervous to come to the gym. Like, I'm like, no one's looking at you. No one cares. They are looking at themselves in the mirror. That's why there's mirrors in here. <laughs> like So true. So true. And same with like, whatever you're posting and whatever you're doing, just like one salad won't make you skinny. Like one, you know, or one burger won't make you fat. Like you have to like be consistent and like just put the work in rather than say, Oh, I tried that. It didn't work. Oh, I put one IGTV up and nobody like watched it. So you true. Know, I have yeah. so many that have hardly been watched. I had a blog for a year and a half that I paid, you know, someone to help copyright that got, you know, sometimes eight people would look at it. If I went off totally. of those numbers, I would have never started the podcast, you know? And it's like, I'm kind of paying attention to my numbers on the podcast now as it's like getting launched this week. But I'm like, I'm just okay with whatever it is because I know in order to do anything, you have to be consistent. Like, so you, true. You got to start I, somewhere. I totally agree. And I say that too all the time. And I had somebody who was like, oh my God, I could never do an Instagram live. Like what if no one watches or what if no one shows up? And like, that's a totally legitimate fear. Like I do completely understand that. But it's like, again, like you said, like nobody's watching, nobody care, or not, not, nobody's going to judge you based on if two people show up to your Instagram live. Like you said, like people are so concerned with their own selves and they're just too concerned with what they're doing. So exactly like you said, just show up, just like take the first step. Even if it seems scary, just, you got to show up and do it. And who knows what's going to happen. It's like getting your reps in, you know, it's like, you gotta, you gotta get your reps in. And to be honest, like I was glad that some people didn't read those first blogs and people didn't like listen to the first couple IGTVs because they sucked. And like your first, everything's going to be terrible. And if you nailed it the first time, like you probably won't nail it. That was probably just luck of the draw, but you know, you'll get better. And you know, someone gave me some really good advice for the podcast. They, cause I said something about not wanting to listen to my own stuff back. And he was like, that's the biggest mistake I made. He's like, I didn't listen to myself for the first like few months. He's like, and once I started listening to myself, I could coach myself and be like, Hey, I didn't really like how I did that. Like I'll self critique, self edit. Um, luckily I have a lot of friends that are like me and will just say shit and they're like, yo, girl, I was like, don't do that again. And I'm like, thank you. Noted. Like, I don't take anything personal anymore. They were like, mm -mm, mm -mm, that did land. Oh, okay. Noted. But also I I do stories. And, and if I mess up what I'm saying, I still post it. You know, when I get totally. really excited and I'm talking fast, I'm like, oh, well, that's me. We all like mess up. And so just to give massive permission to just show up however you are, because Carly and I could both be talking about the same thing. We could both be showing the exact same color techniques, but someone's going to resonate with her versus me. And like, that's how it is in our industry. There's enough clients to go around. There's enough hairdressers to watch education videos. 
you know, I've always said that everything's already been done. Don't think you have to reinvent the wheel. Just show up as your authentic self and do it in your own way as best you can. Um, you know, people like you and what I'm doing, we're just proof that it's needed. Education exactly. is, yeah, that you can, you know, so that's always what I love to leave people with some encouragement as far as that. There's a couple of things that I always wanted to talk about on all the podcasts. And I think it's the myth behind who and what hairdressers are you know, like going into beauty school, it was not encouraged. Like my mom wanted me to go to college, get a four-year degree. She was willing to pay for that doctor, like all the things, but she's like, I'm not paying for beauty school. And so now here I am 20 years later, she couldn't be more proud that, you know, that's what I do. Did you have an experience like that when you went to beauty school? Did you kind of, did you kind of feel that way when you went to school? Totally. I mean, so I went to a, my high school was like a private college prep high school and nobody went to hair school. Like everybody went to four-year colleges, which is part of the reason probably why I really felt I wanted to do that. Um, and it, thankfully my parents were incredibly supportive, although they've both been, my mom has like three master's degrees, like very into school. Um, they were like, do whatever, like we support you. So I was very lucky in that sense, but I have absolutely encountered the stereotype of, um, oh, like, oh, you're just a, you know, typical, you're just a hairstylist. I love the one where people like think I don't make any money and that any money, any nice things I have are because like, I must have a rich husband or like, who knows what. Um, and then even like my mom ran into somebody from my high school, like a teacher from my high school when I was in beauty school and said to her like, oh, what's Carly doing? Is she still at SDSU? And my mom's like, no, she went to hair school instead. And, and the lady was like, oh, don't worry. Like she'll, she'll get over that. She'll go back to real school. And my mom was like, okay, whatever. But it is that stereotype of like, it's just something people do to like have some vocational like schooling or some kind of a skill. But I completely think that the industry is evolving as a whole. I think it is getting a a lot more respected and people are realizing, hey, you can make a ton of money in this industry. And it's not just like, oh, go to go to hair school because you have no other options and then go work in like a beauty shop and, you know, just take like root touch-ups every day. I mean, it's evolving so much, even since 13 years ago when I started doing hair. I mean, I think it's a different world now, which I, I love, um, but I definitely have encountered and I still encounter that just like people, you know, I, I think the general one is just like, you're stupid, you can't make any money, and you basically just pick this career because nothing else worked for you. So I love proving people wrong with that and just like informing them that actually you'd be surprised at how much money I make and have the possibility to make. And like hair, doing hair actually takes intelligence and it's not just like squirt out dark brown color and slap it on someone's hair. So yeah, there's definitely, I think there's always going to be that stereotype, but the more we continue as an industry to just elevate ourselves and educate ourselves, I think the better it's going to be. I couldn't agree more. That's why I love seeing so many people start their own private education because all I knew when I was starting out was like the bigger education brands, you know, whatever mm -hmm. companies there were and they paid terribly. They, they didn't have a budget for us. It was like, you'd be at an all day class and make a hundred bucks. And I'm like, well, who would want to do this? Like, yeah terrible and um so watching people evolve and create their own it's just it's been such an amazing thing to watch because I've like I just hit 20 years uh, last month that I've been in the industry so I've seen it evolve and grow immensely from zero social media to what it is now and like I mean the last 10 years has I think totally changed the game and elevated our industry the people are just stepping it up 
on another level. Um, and I, I couldn't be more proud to be part of this industry. And I know you feel the exact same way. Totally. Exactly. And if quarantine showed us anything is how important us hairdressers really are. And that should yep. be <laughs> They're like, oh, they're willing to stand on the steps for us. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I know it's been a real whirlwind, but yes, I agree. So what lessons would you say you learned through like the closure? And I, I know you pivoted and you figured out like an alternative to doing your life classes, which that was huge. What a great thing you probably, you might not have started or done had that not happened. Right. Mm-hmm, totally. To pivot. Um, did you have any like real aha moments or did you get some time to like connect back to what, you know, where you're at and all that? Totally. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was sometimes I'm like, you know, I've, I've always been that person. Like I'm so passionate about my job, but sometimes I'm kind of like what I, you know, how passionate really am I? Like, would I miss this job if I wasn't doing it? Or like, would I ever want to be a stay-at-home mom with my with my son? Um, quarantine confirmed, I absolutely don't want to be a stay-at-home mom and love the guy, but it was not for me. And I absolutely love doing hair and just everything. I mean, I missed it so much. And just the whole like energy of being not only in the salon, but just with clients and creating, um, for me, it was just really eye-opening to see like, wow, okay, my priority, I've picked the right career, which was nice to learn. And, um, and just like you said, though, how valued we actually are. And it was kind of nice because talking about the stereotypes of hairstylists, um, regardless, like people need us. And the more that that becomes obvious, I think it can only do great things for our industry. Um, but I would say the other, on the other token of that, that would be the balance, how important it, it is to have balance between life and work. And that's something I really struggle with and not ever being able to shut off work. And I'm still working on that. But once I had a little taste of like, oh, I can drop my son off and not have to like run to work and I can pick him up. All those things I was kind of like, okay, I do like this and I do want to have a little bit more balance. So that for me was great too. And just setting really good boundaries, making sure that when I went back, I didn't get so burnt out. Um, And just kind of taking that into consideration in a way that I wouldn't have had I not had three months off to really be in touch with what stuff I like doing at home, what stuff I don't like doing at home and same with work too and how to balance them a bit better. Absolutely. And that's one of the things we go over in the Six Figure Stylist Academy is talking about creating non-negotiables for one, the things you will and won't do. And then the boundaries, the boundaries, I, I, I think I've always been outspoken enough to where I, I thought I had boundaries, but when I started to like reteach, it's almost like when you have an assistant, you're reteaching for me, you're like, oh yeah, you re-remind yourself, you reteach yourself. So teaching this, this program just really made me step up on my own with the boundaries. And it was like, okay, man, my boundaries weren't as good as I thought they were. Like I was still, even after 20 years, still saying yes to taking early clients or late people or shoving clients in. And, you know, I double booked, I, I, up until this point, I had an assistant and, and double booked. So I was sometimes pushing 10 clients out a day. And mm-hmm. this did show me the same thing. I was like, okay, yeah, I don't like how this feels anymore. I don't want to do that to myself. Um, how can I reverse engineer that same income doing less? And what does that look like? So that's something that has been an eye opener too. So what do you like to do for fun? What is something, I, we live in the same town. So what, what do you do for downtime? What do you do for like me time? Like what's all your, tell us your secrets. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of basic in the sense that, you know, I, so I have a two-year-old and, um, it's honestly my time off is like probably enough. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's, that definitely drains my extra energy that I have, but, um, you know, my time off is spent a lot with like figuring out entertaining him, but in a fun way, I mean, we go to the beach a lot. That's something that he's really into right now, which is, you know, I forget how convenient the beach is here in San Diego. Like I live five minutes from it. It's amazing. Um, so we do the beach. I mean, like, honestly, kind of re-exploring like some touristy things like the zoo, wild animal park, like stuff that I really haven't done in a while. Um, so with him, that takes up a lot of my time. Otherwise though, I mean, I'm a total trashy reality TV junkie. Like if it's trash, I love it. And I, I think that that's just like a great way for me to zone out and kind of shut my brain off. Cause this job is demanding as far as like your mental capacity and always being on. So I love that. Um, I love to like go out to fun dinners on occasion and kind of stuff like that, but I'm kind of like a, I'm kind of a homebody for the most part, I would say. I mean, some social stuff here and there, but, um, you know, literally like an ideal Friday night is like my my sweet husband puts up with all my reality TV trash shows. So we like get food and watch crappy TV and I can relax and turn my brain off. So I wish it was more exciting than that, but that's, yeah, that's, just that's the beauty the simple simplify and living in San Diego, we do have kind of the best of everything here because it is like 75 degrees out every single day almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but having a kid will bring you back to things like the zoo and the parks and all that kind of stuff. I remember because my son is nine now. And so, you know, we live five minutes from the beach too. And it's, it, it having kids makes you just have more fun again too. And then it also, you appreciate your clients more too, when you get to go back and have adult time, but totally. Yeah, just being able to relax and like take time off. Um, do you schedule like off days into your calendar? Do you have specific like dates that you work? Because I find that, you know, people have a hard time saying no to, you know, if clients are calling and busy weeks, they, they feel like they have to take what they can get. Do you, is that where your boundaries are drawn, where you only work specific things and like you have days scheduled off? So yes, and for so long, I didn't do that. And I was really bad about that. Like you said, I'd squeeze people in and whatever, um, come in on my days off. And probably when I had him, I was like, okay, this is not going to work for me anymore. Like my time is too precious now. So I really stopped, um, working late and working on the weekends and taking the weekends off completely changed my life. I feel like, like that sounds cliche and stupid, but it did. Um, so I, I don't work right now. I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and usually like a half day on Friday. Um, in starting in November, I am going to go to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday only. And Monday and Friday will be my days to work on my education stuff and kind of do the stuff that I need to do for the back end of my business. And I always tell people like, it is so important to give yourself time for that because you can't, you can't level up your business and get better if you're always working in your business. Like you need time to work on the other stuff. So I'm, I'm really strict about like, I don't start until nine and I'm done at five at the max. And that's something that has literally taken me 11, 12 years to actually build up the confidence and ability to set those boundaries. But I am telling you, like it absolutely changed my life and the feeling that I have towards the industry and just loving it that much more because I can fit in other stuff with it. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be pretty, um, you know, respectful of those boundaries that I've set for myself. And it's hard telling people no. And I hate that. I hate all those awkward things. Um, but, but it's like, 
ultimately I think that's, what's going to give you longevity in this industry because it, it is easy to get burnt out and it's, you know, it's just, it can be taxing. Totally. I love that. So you only work those days nine to five. You don't even work evenings, no more weekends. Yep. So basically I'm like banker's hours now. I choke. I'm like, this is huge because I, when you just were saying that about weekends, like taking Saturdays off changed my whole life too, because, um, I, I start, I think Kai was probably, probably like you have a son, right? Your son's age. Mm-hmm. So it was like two or three and my mom put him in soccer and he was having soccer games every Saturday. So I would drive him all the way to her house. She'd get to take him to the soccer games and I'd have to go to work. And I remember complaining for like the umpteenth time. And I think I've talked about this in an earlier podcast. And finally she looked at me and she was like, don't you make your own schedule? And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, why don't you start taking off every other Saturday? And I was like, and from that point, I was like, nope, every Saturday we're done. So yep. It, it, it was a game changer. And I was like, how do I, again, with the income, like you, 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 when you say no to people, it's like saying no to money. So how do you re put that yep. into your business? And then the second thing that you just said, that's super important. That was a huge takeaway for me was creating like a CEO day in your business. Like a day where you only focus on, you know, even if it's only like an hour or two every single week to sit down and go over your numbers, sit down and go over your goals and just all of the stuff. It's like, rather than like rushing, at 8.30 when you have a nine o'clock client because you need color all of a sudden. And then, you know, like that's just yeah. not the way to live. That's terrible. Totally. And I started to realize like, okay, what are the clients that I'm like, what are the times and days that I'm like dreading work? Because for me, it's never really been like, I dread going to work. I genuinely, it sounds like cheesy, but I truly do love doing hair. And it, it never was a dreaded thing for me. I mean, there's few days, you know, whatever, it's like a job, like everything else. I'm like, Oh God, I don't want to go in. But for the most part, majority, I really don't dread work. And I started realizing like, okay, when do I dread being there? And I just like, I'm rushing to get out. And it was after five clients that start after five and I'm there till eight. I absolutely hated that. And then getting up on Saturdays started being a real issue when I had my son and I was like, I'm missing all this time. And with my husband, then I had, we had one day together and I'm like, why am I killing myself for this? And, you know, it just didn't make any more sense. So then it it kind of became like, okay, I need to reassess because I'm not going to survive much longer with this. And it's been amazing. So I know, yeah, you, you, that sounds like a really similar story. So, you know, that's something we break down too in the Academy is, is time management. And it's like, could you be doing, you know, less and still have more? It's like, you Mm -hmm. you can figure it out. You can, Um, I think, especially after several years in the industry and you have a decent clientele base, you can kind of like pick and choose and not have to live in the scarcity of, if I don't, if I say no to this person, then it'll have a ripple effect in a negative way versus it has a, a ripple effect in a positive way. Your home life's more healthy. You're happier. Like, same. So I, I couldn't agree with all of that more. Um, so many good takeaways, so many good pieces of advice. So where can people find you to learn more about you? And then also your new secret education club. Yeah. So my Instagram is the easiest way to access all my stuff. So it's at the dot blonde dot chronicles on Instagram. And there's a link in my bio in there. There's more information about my education program. Um, tons of ways to find out about it. I'm also always available like in my DMS. If anybody has questions, I really try and get back to everybody. Um, and so I'm, I'm available for any of that stuff, but yeah, Instagram's the easiest, the easiest way. Cool. And I hope there's some live in-person events going on soon so we can connect and maybe do something together because I think that would be super fun. Yeah, I would love that. That would be amazing. Put her on the spot. Call her out. Say, when can we do something? Let's create. 
Let's do it. I love that. I love to. I love collaborating, especially when it comes to just like creating versus like collaborating, say in the salon. Like that's one thing I think some people can't see, like how do, what do we share clients? What does collaborating mean? But when you can get with other creatives and just talk business and like life and just like even have conversations like this, it feeds my soul so much to just keep me in the game. And, you know, after 20 years, you've got to be around people that inspire you and just kind of keep pushing you to what's the next level. What else could I be doing? Totally. So, I totally you agree. Time today. You're, this was such a great conversation. I feel like we're gonna have to come back in a couple months and circle around and see how the academy is doing or the university is doing. Um, but totally. for anybody looking for education right now, $15 a month is a killer deal to get inside your head, ask you direct questions, have access to Carly. Like uh, it's brilliant. And I'm already thinking of ways I can create my own private account and what I could offer on there. So yes, pick your brain for that because I love being inspired to check look into something new and try new things. I think it's, it's why not? Totally. That's how we all just evolve, you know? Yeah. Learn from each other. So I, yeah, let's, let's chat again for sure. Again. Okay. Until next time. Um, so if you guys have any fun takeaways today, uh, during the podcast, please let us know, tag us both on our Instagrams and share what your favorite takeaways were and what you kind of, um, you know, maybe we'll implement in your life or business moving forward and we will see you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you.